The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Avengers Initiative, Hawkeye. Welcome to the season finale of the Avengers Initiative, Hawkeye, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. PoppyChulo Radio celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Tuesday, December 28th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on Disney Plus's Hawkeye. Please welcome my co-host, Priscilla Rocha. Hello, hello. And Professor X. Jeff, do you remember when you peed in your pants in the Hamptons? I I do. And so does everyone else. I know. It was embarrassing. It was that summer. It was actually recent. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 6, which was titled, So This Is Christmas? Question mark. And debuted December 22nd, 2021 via Disney+. Plus. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Clint and Kate's partnership is put to the test as they face the devastating consequences of exposing the conspiracy. Dun dun dun! Hella vague, hella vague synopsis. For, I would say, and I want to let the cat out the bag too soon, but it was, it was a pretty damn spectacular season? Series? Question mark? Finale? We never know with these Disney Plus Marvel series, but we can only hope for the best. So, let's talk about it, and we're just going to talk about the big guy, because we got a lot of the big guy in this this episode. Professor, we were talking about what we were going to see with the big guy in this season finale. And I think we I think you could agree with what I'm about to say that we saw a lot more of Kingpin in this season finale than I thought we were going to see. So, let's talk about Kingpin's official MCU debut. Any and everything Kingpin in this episode, except for that final scene <laughs> with Kingpin, because that's going to lead to some questions that I, I will, well, lead, it will lead to a big question that I will ask that we will all probably agree on. So Priscilla, I'm going to start off with you because you were not with us last time and uh, you weren't here to sort of geek out about, uh, you know, that grainy cell phone footage of uh, the big guy. I don't mean Santa Claus. Let's talk about Kingpin, Priscilla. Man, I was so geeked out that they used, um, that they were so attentive to detail that they used, like, the Hawaiian shirt and the, and the picture and the, and the outfit that's from the comics. So when I saw him, I was like, oh my god, ah, I've seen this before. And even the actor himself, like, later was like, yeah, like, the outfit that I wore, that's been my screensaver on Daredevil because, like, 
I loved that in the character so much that I had to put it as my screensaver. I was like, damn, that was so cool. And the fact of the matter is he played him so well, but I have to say he's come a long way from the guy that squished a guy's head with the car door to now. I feel like maybe the the violence was tinged down a bit for the Disney series. Like, he's still just as, he's still imposing, but maybe he lost some of that power that he used to have before for Mm. the Daredevil series. Oh, you wanted to see him rip Kate's spine from her back? No, but I just, I don't know, I can't. Like there, there was there was a sense before that like he he wouldn't get involved. He let his goons get involved, and if and if he was gonna get involved, it was like the last minute thing, and he was just gonna swipe you around like a fly because like you were like insignificant to him, and it seemed like he was getting more involved in this mess than he really should have, mm. and it felt more like everybody was getting toe to toe with him. And even in the fight with Kate, I was like, Kate's a newbie fighter here. Like, why is she, why is she still stepping up to the plate with this guy? Why, like, why is she not dead? Is is what is what I'm saying here. Like, how how is how is this possible? But it's it's her it's her show, so I can see why. But it's still, as someone who saw Daredevil, it's the two kingpins together. Maybe one of you can rationalize it for me okay all right the professor is very good at rationalization so he will take that and and professor i want to bring you to the conversation to rationalize with priscilla also to get your take on kingpin and also not just get your take on kingpin you know and, and his mcu debut and all that kind of stuff but also to get your take on this um clearly much more powerful kingpin than I feel like we got to see in the Daredevil Netflix series. Yeah, I I was quite surprised that we got as much kingpin as we got in this episode. I was kind of expecting that, you know, we'd just get him as a, you know, almost maybe just in a post-credit scene of him. Well, I'll have to take matters in my own hands, that sort of thing sort of setting up uh, Kingpin being a, a bigger element in the future. So I was really surprised when the o- episode opened with Kingpin walking in. But uh, that said, I really liked it. I thought it was a very good use of the character. And even though I was surprised by how much we got, given what happened, you know, with his, uh, you know, the resolution of his arc with Maya, it was necessary to have him in there that much. We had to, you know, really understand that. So even though it was kind of, you know, in the last episode, introducing a main character, which is a bit of a cheat, I thought they did it quite well. And to a certain extent, you know, it it plays off the fact that pretty much everyone watching knows who Kingpin is and appreciates that. Uh, But um, uh, I thought, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio obviously has a great time playing Kingpin. Um, He was really, really interesting all throughout. And while he was maybe a little too powerful, and and I agree, you know, like uh, with, you know, Kate being able to hold her own against Kingpin. But, you know, it really was. I mean, it was Kate's show, uh, as uh, Priscilla said. So it made sense that she had to go toe to toe. Uh, with the big bad and uh, and and do that, which she did in a couple of ways in this episode. So I thought it was a really good use of his character, uh, you know, a good reintroduction to him for those who hadn't seen the Netflix show and, uh, you know, establishing him as, you know, a very, you know, not quite Avengers level threat, but, you know, a serious big bad for a show of this level. 
Definitely. Yes, I think that's the the key, um, that final sentence right there. Was it just me, or did they use some sort of like forced perspective type of thing with him to make him even appear larger than life than Vincent D'Onofrio, Vincent D'Onofrio actually is? Right? Oh, heck yes. Okay. <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio, like, he's not... He's tall, but he's not that tall, and they they made him look giant. They really did. I mean, and Kingpin is really a gross giant. I mean, let's be for real. <laughs> I mean, he kind of is. So they did a good job of making him into that gross giant. I'm trying to remember. It's, it's been ages since I've seen Daredevil. I was like, did they use some of that force perspective on Daredevil? I don't remember now. But there was it was clearly there. Like, I remember that scene with him and Kazi. And I was like, he just, he, they're making him look like Shrek or something in a spectacular way. Like, no offense to Vincent, but, you know, he's playing a character. I was like, they're making him look gigantic. And it worked for me because I was like, okay, he's an incredibly imposing figure. And uh, I know he's that way in the comics. So I thought that translation on this series was really well done. So let's talk about it. I mean, I, I was going to save like cliffhanger type of stuff until the end, but since we're talking about the big guy, um, so we we talked about him having a scene with Eleanor. We'll talk about Eleanor momentarily and and how that wrapped up. And uh, throughout the episode, we saw him with Kazi, and then we saw him a lot with Maya. And uh, part of Maya's storyline, which we will be discussing in, in a little bit, has to deal with um, her finding out the truth about what happened the night that her father died. And, you know, it, 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 he, when, when, you know, she has some stuff with Kazi, and then, uh, you know, she sees the big guy at the end after he had been left for dead? I guess, by Kate, she kind of kaboomed him with a whole bunch of, with like every single arrow that she had at her disposal with that neat little, you know, uh, coin trick that she learned. So we did get the payoff with that. And then, you know, it's just, it's Maya with that fantastic head of hair, which came out of nowhere. Um, And Kingpin in an alley with a gun I was about to say with the revolver, as if it's Clue. Um, I don't remember if it was a revolver, but it was a gun. And all we get the camera panning up, and there's a bang. Clearly, Kingpin is not dead. I don't feel like I need to ask anybody here, is he dead? Clearly, he's not dead. Apparently, there's a little comic book storyline where Maya actually shoots him in the eyes to blind him. But then he gets like some sort of eye transplant surgery, so he sees again. Um, maybe that's what's going to happen. I don't know. But, but clearly, he's not dead. Uh, Priscilla, anything else to add in regards to what they did with Kingpin in that final scene? We can bitch about maybe him not being in a post credit scenes a little bit later, because um, I do have a little bit of bitchery for that. But um, Kingpin's final scene in the episode, what'd you think, Priscilla? 
Man, I loved it. And I loved how much there was nerd rage over like, man, you brought Kingpin back for him to be nerfed by 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 some new scrub? What the hell? There was so much rage online over that. And I'm like, really? None of you have cracked open a comic. None of you have seen that she blinds him. None of you want to want to know what's gonna happen next in the Echo series. Oh my god, what's There's wrong? There's always nerd rage when a woman does anything in the MCU. It's true. It's so true. But Vincent D'Onofrio himself seems hopeful that they're, they're going to do more with his character, mm-hmm. so I'm hopeful that they're going to do more with his character. Yeah, 100%. I agree. He wants to team up with Charlie Cox again. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of exciting. Uh, because we do know we're going to get more of Charlie Cox as Daredevil in the MCU, according to Mr. Feige. So there is that. D'Onofrio did have a really strange interview that I read somewhere where he was like, he felt like the Netflix kingpin is the same as his kingpin and a whole bunch of shit. Um, Listeners, don't always pay attention to what the actors say. Um, yes, the Netflix series does exist. There's a thing called the multiverse, but it's not a part of the MCU proper. I'm just saying. Anyway, moving right along, let's talk about our girl, Eleanor. We have been hella suspicious about her. We got the full rundown of everything in this episode, which was fantastic because, you know, we, we do like answers. We had many questions. It turns out that her husband owed Kingpin a whole lot of moolah. And when he died, Kingpin came a calling to her. And according to Eleanor and Kingpin, she has paid him off tenfold. And so the opening scene is of her breaking off her partnership with Kingpin. He was not having it, so he um, sets out to have her get murked. Uh, By the end of the episode, she doesn't get murked, but... um, Kate ends up calling the police on her mother, and uh, she gets arrested for Armand the Third's death. You're arresting. You're having your mom arrested on Christmas. Super bitchy line. Oh my god! <laughs> but beautifully delivered by uh, Miss Farmiga. Fantastic. Uh, let's talk about it. Priscilla, since you started talking about it first, uh, we got a lot of answers about Eleanor. I mean, she was just a woman trying to provide for her daughter, right? No. <laughs> okay. You st- like, if she was trying to provide for her daughter, she would have, like, done what Kingpin wanted, or she would have, like, gone to the cops and said, hey, there's this guy who's obviously part of the mob and he's after me can you please help me like she would have done something else anything else instead of getting involved with this guy but she obviously didn't and thus she got in trouble but she kept going because she liked the power that came with helping kingpin and when it finally came down to her daughter knowing she obviously didn't like her daughter knowing that she'd been rolling in the dirt so she wanted to come clean and and say, I don't want to be involved in this anymore. She wanted to have it both ways. She wanted to have the power and the prestige. And you can't have it both ways. Not with Kingpin. And when she was about to face her consequences, Kate bailed her out. 
but with the bailout comes the fact that you have to face consequences and she didn't like that and that's why she did that super bitchy line with on christmas but no even on christmas you have to face justice lady what's wrong with you oh well damn all right all right professor she was just a mom trying to do good for her daughter, right? Wait, wait I do I, I wonder how to ask you that really sarcastic question. But I also want to ask you this, because upon second viewing of this episode, there was a scene about halfway through the episode. It seemed kind of random. It's just Kate and Clint talking about, you know, you know, it, it's a big night tonight, right? You know, and, and this, that, or the other, and whatever, whatever, whatever. And when I watched the first time, I was like, okay, they're kind of talking about what's going to happen at the party and the big fight and that sort of thing. But then when I rewatched it, I was like, no, he's talking about your mother's going to jail. And are you sure you want to make that decision? And I was like, damn, that scene was much heavier upon second viewing than it was the first time I viewed it. I don't know. if Did you pick up on that as well? Yeah, I think. You know, in the same way that, you know, I mentioned that it wasn't necessary for Kate to go uh, one to one with Kingpin because, you know, it's it's her show. It's her taking the mantle of Hawkeye and her demonstrating her growth over the course. You know, think back to Kate at the beginning of the series, you know, the uh, you know, the the young person who doesn't care about anything, who thinks she's immortal, uh, you know, who doesn't have to deal with consequences because she's young and she's rich, as her mom said. And by the end of it, you know, she is, you know, dealing not just with the consequences of her actions, but, you know, forcing her mom to deal with the consequences. Uh, you know, I actually thought, you know, when I was first watching it, that, you know, there were a couple of times when I thought to myself, oh, they're just going to kill Eleanor. But I'm glad they didn't, because that would have been a very cheap and easy way out. Mm-hmm. It would have, you know, uh, Eleanor wouldn't have had to, uh, you know, deal with the consequences consequences of her actions and Kate would have been spared from having to turn her mother over. And, and again, that is the thing that the hero should do. The hero should, you know, be willing to, to make that sort of sacrifice. So I'm glad they went uh, that way. One thing I did find a little interesting is that, you know, even though Kate, you know, did insist on her mom, you know, paying the price for the thing she's done, she's, she is kind of writing Clint uh, a, a get out of jail free card for all the killings he did as Ronan. So yeah, a little bit of uh, inconsistency there, Kate, but I did like that. Um, I thought it was, you know, really, you know, well done. Uh, and, and yes, uh, you know, the slightly bitchy is that what heroes do have their mothers arrested on Christmas, you know, and, and again, you had to have that line there just to really, you know, drive home to Kate, you know, the price that she's willing to pay, you know, she is willing to do what is necessary if you're going to be a hero. It's, it's not all, you know, public adulation and it's not all, you know, killing faceless Shatari. You know, sometimes it's about, you know, having to make, you know, the hard choice or, or having to do the thing that, you know, is going to lead to a, a, you know, more of a, uh, a psychic wound than anything else. And, and again, that's something that, that Clint has been dealing with in this entire series. You know, he's been dealing with the PTSD, with the loss of Nat and stuff like that. So I think, you know, it gave her something, you know, uh, in her own way, you know, her having to make the tough choice and deal with the consequences in a way that killing Eleanor wouldn't have. So I was quite glad they did it like that. And I thought it was, you know, uh, very well done, you know, very strong scene between the two of them. And, uh, you know, it, it just allowed Kate once again to sort of step up and demonstrate, you know, her growth over the course of the series and the fact that, you know, by the end of the series, she is a hero, not because of how she shoots an arrow, not because of how she fights, uh, not because of the quips, but because she is willing to make the tough choice. And that is something that a hero has to do, which is something that I think Clint was making clear to her uh, earlier in the episode that, you know, it's it's sometimes it's difficult. You don't always win. And I think for Kate to have to face that decision at the end of it was really important for her character. 
I agree. Lots of really great points made there. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, I'm glad that we got the resolution that we got with Eleanor. I mean, clearly, she had done some bad stuff. And, and you know, whatever she wants to say, you know, is for her daughter and all that kind of stuff. She made really bad decisions. And uh, she had to pay the consequences for her actions. And so I, I liked that they they showed that in this episode. I mean, this episode really had to deal with consequences for, for everybody, if we're going to be um, fully honest. Um, yeah. And uh, this does mean we can see Eleanor at some point, sometime. Uh, you know, maybe she'll be even... <laughs> when she gets out of jail, she'll be even bigger bad. I don't know. Uh, but stay tuned. We'll see what ends up happening with that in the future. So let's talk about Maya and Kazi next. Towards the start of the episode, uh, Kingpin realizes that they've lost Maya. There's this really great scene where Maya, you know, basically tells Kingpin uh, with Kazi there that, you know, all of this, uh, you know, seeking revenge for her father's death you know it's it's she's trying to bring back a ghost and you know she needs to clear her head and this that or the other she needs a couple days off and that's when kingpin sort of realizes that they've lost maya period later on in the episode we get an actual confrontation between maya and kazi and some of the stuff that i sensed came bubbling up to the surface. Maya shows up and basically tells Kazi, you know, let's ride off into the sunset together. You know, let's let's break free. Let's go on our own path together. Let's leave together. And Kazi's basically like, no, you were living the life that was supposed to be mine. I was the one that's supposed to be, you know, Kingpin's, uh, uh, you know, second in command or whatever. Not you. And Kazi does uh, does end up dying, uh, but Maya doesn't kill him per se. In a very "I killed you" kind of way. Uh, I, I wonder if that was um, on purpose because you know Maya is going to be having her own series. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, they don't want her to necessarily kill at the moment. I don't know. But uh, Kazi appears to be dead. And uh, Maya is riding off into the sunset uh, by herself. Uh, We already discussed her. Um, Boom, pow, pow, bang, bang. (laughs) Whatever she did to uh, Kingpin, whether it's his eyes, leg, or whatever. But uh, what do we think of the resolution for Maya? And uh, were we surprised that Kazi died? Professor? I I wouldn't say I was surprised. I think it was necessary, um, you know, because he was clearly a baddie. He wasn't as bad necessarily as some of the other members of the tracksuit mafia. But he was, you know, 
Kingpin's, you know, maybe not a right hand man, but he was clearly on Kingpin's side. Uh, and so as much as we want, you know, uh, Echo to have the chance of redemption, we never got the sense from from Kazi that he had that sort of resent, redemptive arc in it. You know, we found out that Kazi was the one who you know was responsible for her father being killed. So, you know, by the laws of, of story dynamics, he kind of had to die here. Uh, to resolve her arc, I thought it was interesting that you know we, they had we, they had clearly hinted at the relationship between Kazi and Echo uh, up to this point, and you know they made it much more overt in this episode uh, that you know Echo obviously had feelings for Kazi, and I think Kazi had you know feelings for Echo as well, but you know not to the same extent. And I think you know Kazi was probably in a, a way kind of right. Echo arguing that hey, we can just go away, we can you know live our lives. Yeah, like Kingpin's not going to be able to track down a guy who's heavily tatted like Kazi is, and, you know, a mute girl missing a leg, they're just going to be able to go off the grid quite easily. Um, you know, he was right that, you know, he's made his choice, he's made his decision to live this life, and you can't just walk away from this life, which is, you know, what Eleanor tried to do, and we saw what happened uh, with Eleanor. So I think Kazi was right. So I think, you know, uh, sad though it might have been to have him die, um, it was necessary, and also necessary in terms of, you know, uh, sort of clearing the decks for Echo, that, you know, when we meet Echo again, and she's doing her own series, uh, you know, she's going to be, you know, basically a free agent, you know, all of her ties to the past have been cut. Uh, and I'm really curious as to how they're going to deal with that. You know, we're dealing with someone who, you know, doesn't really have a, a an established superpower, who, you know, is, uh, you know, a, a very interesting character. But um, I'm curious, you know, what role she will play. Will she be, yeah, I, I have no idea what they're going to do with the character, uh, you know, and, and if we hadn't, already known that there was going to be uh, an Echo Disney Plus series, uh, you know, I, I would be kind of surprised by that, um, you know, based on on how things end uh, in this series. So um, I, I, I like the resolution. I think it was necessary. And, you know, the killing of him, you know, it was a killing, you know, wouldn't necessarily call it a crime of passion. It was, you know, struggling over an arrow and, you know, it's a bit, you know, I don't know if an arrow really works in that way. It's not like you're struggling over a gun and the gun goes off. It's not like the arrow goes off, you know, but somehow he did get stabbed in in the fight scene and that did take a bit of the uh uh a bit of the onus for killing him off of uh echo um but yeah i, I think it was a necessary death uh, and i think it was it was quite well handled you know it gave uh, echo the chance to to mourn the loss uh and you know give her that little bit more uh motivation to go after kingpin later on so you know his his death i i love the uh, the actor playing him i think i thought he was great i've seen some of his, his interviews in which he seems like a great guy but it was a necessary death if not necessarily a good death Priscilla, anything to add in regards to Kazi and everything Maya in the episode? Do you necessarily think it was romantic? I, I, I didn't think it was romantic. I thought really? it was more like a brotherly, sisterly thing. I like, don't know. I, once again, it could be the professor in the back of my mind saying two age-appropriate people, uh, tra- two age-appropriate attractive people, you know, together, and then, you know, you kind of have to ship them. But I thought that there was a little something-something there, a little tenderness, a little bit more of a tenderness there than brother and sister type of vibe. But maybe it's just me. Maybe. Maybe. Yes, but anything else in regards to Kazi and, and Maya? Um, I wanted to say that I I loved that that death scene at the end. I felt that it was like an earned death scene. I felt that she was looking for her her father's killer for the longest time and you know she's not going to be able to take out Kingpin. Kingpin is too much of like just a I don't know, he's 
he's important to too many people in different storylines to be taken out by just one person. So it's it's by some somebody smaller being being in charge of the death like Kazi makes more sense to take him out even if it hurts more even if it hurts the heart more okay the heart wants what the heart wants yeah yes okay i like it i can dig it okay so the next character that we got to talk about it, our girl yelena we had some spectacular moments with her in this episode I mean, all she wanted was some appetizers, y'all. I mean, I'm just saying. Like, you know, we want to go to a dress up, go to a fancy party. We don't want to give the code at the door. You don't have to give the code at the door. And we want to eat some appetizers and, you know, live that sex in the city life in New York. I'm just saying. So let's talk about everything Yelena and and Kid Bishop. We'll talk about Yelena and uh, Hawkeye in a moment. I don't know if that was Russian. That was horrible. I apologize to everybody for that. But we have to talk about Yelena and Kid Bishop. Um, Your accent sounds more like Hispanic than it sounds. I know. It was. I was like, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. But I did something. Um, okay, so let's talk about. Let's talk about them. Let's talk about that elevator scene. Let's talk about the fight through the offices. I mean, it, it just everything was magical. Like, I'll just start this off. It was just wonderful. I loved it. I rewatched Black Widow over the weekend because I needed some more Yelena in my life. It was just fantastic. Like, everything about it. Like, everything about it. Like, everything about it was fantastic. You know, the whole thing in the elevator, her being a badass. There were, there were literally, like, I was about to say, like, two and a half seconds in that elevator scene, when when Kate Bishop slapped Yelena, I was like, they're not going to kill Kate Bishop, are they? Because I, I feared for her life. Like, I was scared for Kate Bishop when she slapped Yelena. It was just magical. And then at the end of it all, is like, damn it, you know, why do you have to make me like you? Or some shit like that. It was just beautiful, spectacular. There was a little line in the previous episode uh, before Yelena got uh, blipped, where, uh, you know, the, some of her Black Widow cohorts were like, oh, you and Natasha can go live that sex in the city life in New York City. I want Yelena and Kid Bishop to live the sex in the city life in New York City. I'm just saying, like, I want them, I said this on social media, I want Yelena and Kate Bishop to be the female equivalent of the Sam and Bucky friendship dynamic. I want that to happen. I enjoy them so much together. I want her to never stop calling her Kit Bishop. Like, I want her to always call her Kit Bishop. Like, the only time I don't want her to call her Kit Bishop is when it's, like, a really, like, serious moment. And then she says, Kit. And then Kate is like, did you just call me Kate? And, it's, and you know, I want that moment. Like, I want it. I want it. It needs to happen. Universe out there, make it happen. All right. I just fanboyed, geeked out over that whole Kate Bishop, uh, Yelena stuff. It's y'all's turn, because I know y'all geeked out over it as well. 
Priscilla, talk to me about Yelena and Kate Bishop. Oh my god, that elevator scene was everything. It was just so fucking funny where she's like, you're not going to know when, what, what, what floor he's on. And, and it just dings to 12 and she's like, it's on 12. And she's like damn it and then they just go up the stairs uh, go up the go up the elevator and and she touches all the buttons all immaturely and she's like oh Suvka or whatever whatever that 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 line is for bitch in in russian and that oh was bitch gosh. in russian no i'm asking because i didn't know that that's a new word that i can use i think so because that's what it translated to on the Disney Plus. Um, oh, I thought they could only go up to shit on Disney Plus because they say shit a lot. I'm just saying. But um, okay, all right. They said uh, bitch in Russian. I appreciate it. But yeah, it's super funny. I loved it. It was, and I didn't necessarily think she was gonna die. I just thought that like she's gonna end up tied up and. Put in a corner somewhere. I with... fear for her life. You do not slap Yelena. <laughs> I'm just saying. But her, like, the, but her response was spectacular. What was that? I was like, I know, right? <laughs> she got real bold, didn't she? She's like, you just hit your best friend. I Why? know. I want them to live that Sex in the City life in New York. Exactly. Which is why, can I get a little ahead of the elevator thing and just say... I sure, felt, a little bit. Yes. I felt bad that that Yelena wasn't invited to the end to Aww, the yeah. farmhouse. Me too. I wanted that to happen. Yeah, me too. I co-signed that 100%, even though we just leapt over a whole bunch of stuff. But yes, I will uh, approve of that leap because I, I 100% co-sign that as well. But... but Oh wait, go ahead, Priscilla. Sorry. But other than that, like the rest of the scenes, the 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 fight scene in the elevator was great. The whole jumping down and doing the gun scene while repelling from the building oh, was yes. really cool. That just yes. looked awesome. And Kate doing the same thing looked messy as hell. Which <laughs> let's be it. real, I'm so glad that it did. Yes, and I love the yell because it it felt very appropriate. Because I mean, she's never done that shit in her life. It was not going to be perfect for her. Yelena basically did something similar without the gun shooting in the Black Widow movie. Um, so you know, Yelena doing it perfectly was was right. Kate doing it horrendously was spectacular because she should have done it horrendously. Like she should have nearly died. Like I'm just saying. Like she should have. Yeah, I like I have no idea how she did any of that, but yes, it's fantastic. She did a superhero landing though, which she was did. which just reached to my heart though. Chef's kiss. Yes. Yes. I agree. Professor, I know you want to geek out about all this. No, Kid Bishop? Well, I said last week that if Disney Plus doesn't give us, you know, a girl's trip version of Yelena and Kate Bishop, you know, driving across the country, you know, uh, solving crimes and getting into to mischief uh, along the way, then Disney Plus is making a huge mistake. Uh, Disney Plus could just give us these two stuck in an elevator uh, and it would be a goddamn delight. The, the two of them are just 
fabulous. Uh, you know, the interaction between them and that fight scene, you know, the way they shot it, you know, panning side to side of them racing along, you know, shooting it through the the windows of the offices as they're going along uh, was really, really great. And then, you know, the payoff at the end where they're sort of complimenting each other. You know, that was a good shot. The, you know, you're, you're pretty good, too. Um, you know, it, it was it was great. And part of it comes down to the fact that, you know, Yelena is obviously a better fighter than Kate. And so Yelena is kind of pulling her punches. She doesn't really want to hurt Kate because she likes Kate. And, you know, she doesn't have a lot of friends. So, you know, for her, you know, she she does that. And I think that's why the slap was so uh, was so shocking to her. It's like, you, you you hit me. And, you know, it's one thing to be, you know, fighting each other in that way. It's another to haul off and slap someone. But I think <laughs> it's pretty clear that, you know, Elena does not want to hurt Kate. Um, whereas, you know, Kate is basically fighting for her life. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, it it makes sense that, you know, that's about the only way that, that Kate could hold her own uh, against Elena. But no, I mean, the two are just spectacular. The writing is great. Uh, the two actresses are fantastic. They have a, a fantastic chemistry together. And I just, I whatever goes forward, if we get a Hawkeye season two, or, you know, whatever Yelena ends up doing. Um, you know, I, I just really want to see more of these two characters interacting with each other because they're, they're so great. Yes. If we don't get Hawkeye Season 2, can we get Hawkeye and the Widow? Like, I would watch that. Six episodes. Would Yelena be young enough to be in a Young Avengers team? I don't know. Yes, we still have a whole bunch of stuff with Yelena and Val to deal with. Because I feel like she needs to get out of the Val situation if we're going to have her be 100% heroic. Oh, my God. But that's true. You, like, my a light bulb just went off in my head. And that's the stupidest light bulb I've ever had go off in my head right now. Mm-hmm. That it's it's Hawkeye and Widow all over again. Yes. Yeah. I was. I, well, you weren't here last week, Priscilla, which made us all sad. But it, that was the thing that I told the professor in the previous uh, ep- ep- episode of our podcast. It was that we were seeing the next generation of Hawkeye and Black Widow. Like the the, you know, Clint and Natasha had their own friendship and now we're seeing Kate and Yelena as, you know, Hawkeye 2.0 and Black Widow 2.0 developing their own friendship like they had their me cute in the previous well technically it's at the tail end of the not the previous episode but the episode before that but um you know we got a full nine minute sequence with them last week talking about the deliciousness that is uh, boxed macaroni and cheese um so yeah I, i'm here for them i'm here for more of them i'm just saying so We've been having fun talking about Yelena and Kate Bishop. Now let's get a little serious and let's get in our feels because let's talk about Yelena and Clint because we get um, we get Yelena and Clint coming face to face for the first time in this season finale and. Um, you know, we got some heartstrings being pulled. We got a fight sequence. We It really was Yelena dealing with Natasha's death in, in a very interesting way. Um, by the end of it, peace was made between both of them. Um, what did we think of how this was handled. Uh, Professor, you and I discussed in the previous podcast that we had hoped maybe Yelena had overheard 
that moment when Clint went to the Avengers memorial thing where he was like talking to Natasha, but it doesn't seem like she did. So, you know, she really, her, her mind was changed based off of everything Clint was saying in the moment at that time. What did you think of how Yelena and Clint were, were handled during this season finale? Yeah, well, I, I still think, you know, if she had overheard that, it would have given her, uh, you know, a better reason, a better arc for her, you know, ending up forgiving him. Uh, as it stands, you know, they, they had to do everything, you know, in, in the fight scene on the ice. Uh, and, and they did present it that, you know, she didn't simply accept what he said at face value. Um, the problem is because we didn't have, you know, sort of the uh, the background laid before that confrontation scene. It did seem a little too quick, a little too pat, even though he did, you know you know, whistled their song and, you know, he, she found out that, you know, he really was a close friend to Nat, um, that, um, uh, you know, uh, so we did get the resolution there. So, and, and I did feel it was earned. It just felt a little quick to me. Uh, but that said, it was a good fight scene. And one thing that was nice about it was that, you know, Clint was fighting defensively. Um, now that's not to say that, you know, I, I think he could have taken Yelena any more than he could have taken Nat. And as we've seen before, you know, Nat was a better fighter than Clint and that's always been, uh, pretty much established, but Clint wasn't trying to hurt Elena, whereas Elena was trying to hurt Clint. So, you know, even when he got her in a clinch and stuff like that, he was trying to restrain her to talk to her, uh, you know, rather than trying to take her down, uh, which, you know, essentially put him at a disadvantage, you know, relative to her. Um, so, yeah, I thought the uh, the little whistle was a bit, yeah, it, I don't know that it entirely worked for me, but it did give him, you know, in addition to giving Elena the, uh, the resolution, I think it gave Clint a little bit of resolution, you know, being able to tell someone who meant so much to Nat exactly what happened and and established the idea that you know nat was the hero nat did save the universe something that you know elena had kind of knew but hearing it from him uh made sense so you know it, it felt a little quick to me uh but uh in the end i think you know emotionally uh you know i think it, it was effective even if you know dramatically i might have felt it was a bit rushed yeah i can agree with that it, it did seem a bit rushed um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how they would have done it differently, though. Like, I feel like it would have had to turn much more into a talky scene, and maybe they they didn't want that for the season finale. Uh, Priscilla, I want to bring you into the condo. What did you think of how they handled Yelena and uh, Hawkeye? I do think it was rushed, but it, it, it's, it was either going to be that or splitting it between two fight scenes, maybe one at the one of the or an earlier part of the season where it discusses the first part of the discussion which was her not believing him up to the point where they're talking about black widow sacrificing herself mm-hmm. and the rest and the next part which was her talking about the after the 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 discussion after the whistle, which was her sacrificing herself and why it wouldn't have worked, and why he tried to sacrifice himself but it didn't work, and why she even if she had gone, it wouldn't have worked either way, but it would have been clanky had had it been split into two. So. The, Leaving it one singular fight scene, even if it does feel rushed, feels better. 
I feel. I I I like it this way. I I like I like what the show gave us. I think it was poetic. I I just I don't know. Just Yelena, her her the way she acted those scenes was just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. She was our precious cinnamon roll. Oh, Yelena. I'm glad that they put, you know, that that this was able to resolve itself. Um, it, it, you know, it might have been rushed, but I'm glad it happened. I mean, we don't need Yelena out there, you know, with wanting vengeance or or, or something for Natasha with Clint. So, um, yeah, it was a, light, a tiny bit rushed, but I'm glad that it, they were able to uh, resolve it in the way that they did. Uh, so we've been focusing a lot on the characters. I mean, there was a giant set piece that was the Christmas party, um, the Rockefeller tree coming down, um, a gigantic Palooza, you know, with uh, our Hawkeyes versus and LARPers and uh, Armand, um, not Armand, sorry, and, and uh, Jack fighting uh, the tracksuit mafia. So let's talk about different aspects of, of what we haven't chatted about. Everything that happened at the swanky Christmas party. Uh, uh, Priscilla, you can start off. Um, anything that you want to chat about? Any of, were you surprised to see some people there? Were you excited to see you know some of the people getting into the mix? I was excited to see the swordsman. I was excited to see the swordsman. I was excited to see how he interacted with what, what was the name? What was the number of of the little boy? Armand the fourth. Seventh. Armand the sixth. Seventh. I, I don't know. Seventh. I think it was the seventh. Yeah. I was getting close. <laughs> but I loved how he interacted with them. I loved the the larpers and how they were first. Like being like, okay, first look at your assets, first see wh- what you have, and and you looked around and you're like, oh, the LARPers are here. That means that they they got them involved, and then you see at the very end of the of the arc, you see that they got into their costumes too, so they're like superheroes. And I saw a couple of people online being like, Thor should get them to be the next uh the next for the next um of the of, of the four people that are up in the sky with him since he got he, since he lost his last four. Oh. I'm like yay, that'd be beautiful. Yes. I hope we see more of the larpers. I don't know how we would see more of the larpers, but they were just fantastic characters. I mean, they were just brilliant. I'm so glad that they were brought into the mix. I don't know how they were brought into the mix because it was so last minute, but I guess, you know, cuz it, you know, Kate is a bishop and it's the bishop party, so I guess, you know, it, it was really easy to bring them into the mix, but um it it was hella random to see them there, but it was wonderful to see them there. Um, Armand the seventh was fantastic because we got him with that scene with Jack. And then we got grills like carrying him out of the party. And then he did the whole, you know, privilege thing of, do you know who I am? Which was fantastic. Uh, Oh, that was just amazing. Professor, anything in the party that stood out for you? 
Well, great reintroduction of the LARPers. I, I, you know, uh, when we first met the LARPers, I thought, well, that was that was great fun. It, they were delightful, but we're never going to see them again. And then we kept getting them again and again and again, and they were great. I did question their decision to take time out of helping the people to change into their costumes. Um, you know, where did they go to do that? How long did it take? Um, but, you know, uh, it did give us that great line from Clint up in the tree when he looks down and sees them in costume. And he goes, <laughs> we're all going to die, uh, which was just you know, uh, delightful. And, and then later when they're talking to the cops, we're, we're here helping Hawkeye. Yeah, we're basically Avengers. Uh, it, it was delightful. And, you know, having Bombshell, you know, talking to Jack, uh, you know, explain, trying to explain to him what LARPing is. Uh, I, I totally think that Jack is going to end up, you know, hanging out with the LARPers, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting blood off his tie. Uh, great resolution for them. And, you know, great resolution for Jack as well. You know, I, I've said since episode one that Jack was not a bad guy. Jack was, you know, basically, you know, an amiable dolt, you know, uh, you know, you know, not, not the sharpest pencil in the pack, but basically a good person, someone who's trying to do the right thing. As soon as you saw him say, you know, uh, to, to Kate, I read a book about being a stepfather. You knew he was a guy who was trying to do the right thing, a guy who was, you know, trying to be the good guy, not necessarily a hero, but certainly not a baddie. So, you know, I love the idea that, you know, he's going to end up, you know, helping out with these LARPers uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, being, you know, welcomed into that community. I think that's, that's, a great resolution for him uh and seeing him you know just you know going at it with the sword you know having a tremendous time you know and and you know we, you know how many people did he kill with that sword you know because he, it's a freaking sword and he's slashing people left and right he had to you know rack up a pretty severe body count uh doing that but you know in the moment watching it it's it was just delightful that that jack got that resolution the larpers got the resolution and you know they got to be heroes you know even and again the funny thing about it is they're they're all kind of heroes in their day-to-day lives, you know, they're firefighters, they're, they're emergency workers, they're, they're, you know, uh, everything like that. So, but for them to get this kind of heroism, you know, the, the kind of rush, you know, as Grill said, you know, in that first, uh, episode when he met Clint, you know, this has been the best day of my life. I'm sure that is true of the LARPers as well. And I'm, I'm glad that none of them got injured, even though I believe someone that I'm talking to was talking about killing off grills. Did we? I believe you said grills is going to die. No, I hope none of them died. No, you did say Gross oh, did I say Gross die? die. Oh, I don't even remember. Oh, well, I'm glad he didn't. But, um, oh, well, yeah. Well, I guess that's what happens when you make a podcast. Everything is, is on tape, so there is evidence. Um, but I'm glad he didn't die. Uh, I, I enjoyed seeing the LARPers. They were fantastic. I I hope, Professor, I don't know where we would see this, um, because there has not been a second season announced uh, yet. I feel like we did know. Th- I feel like they really almost immediately announced that Loki was getting a second season. But anyway, um, I-, I would love to see Jack with the LARPers. Like, I just I need to see that in my life. 100 percent they could pop up you know in she hulk or something like that or you know in any sort of you know new york based uh, show i would love for these guys to just sort of be you know a a background character Mm -hmm. uh you know in the same way that they've said that uh that uh charlie cox's uh you know matt murdoch is going to sort of be a connecting tissue in the way that um 
Oh, the night nurse was in the, uh, the, the Netflix shows, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and there's no reason why the LARPers couldn't show up that, you know, uh, Matt Murdoch is defending them on a charge of something, or, you know, uh, Jennifer Walters is, uh, uh, you know, defending them on a charge of something like that. Uh, so I, I, I think there's a lot of potential to, to revisit these guys, uh, as for a season two, um, you know, obviously, you know, I'm hoping we get a season two. We don't know what's happening in terms of young Avengers. And I have to imagine it's not that easy to lock in Haley Steinfeld. Uh, you know, for a series, um, you know, in, in the way that it might be for for other actors. I mean, she's a very busy, you know, actress slash singer, you know, slash movie star. So, you know, it, it can't be all that easy to lock these things in. But I think they have to be thinking about a season two. Yes. Well, this is Marvel. They usually lock people in for multiple appearance type of contract. So hopefully they locked her in when they signed her up for this. Because, yeah, she ha- she's fantastic. So let's move to the big fight sequence. A whole bunch of trick arrows versus the tracksuit mafia. Um, my question is, did we have a favorite arrow? But I kind of feel like we probably all have the same favorite arrow. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Um, so I will ask, I'll start off with you, Professor. Did you have a favorite arrow during the big fight sequence? where they take down the tracksuits. You know, I like the airbag arrow, strangely enough. Uh-huh. It was, you know, a bit sillier, but again, you know, you're you said, you know, early on that you were not a Hawkeye fan. I'm more of a Hawkeye fan from the comics in which he had, you know, totally crazy trick arrows. Uh, you know, so the uh the expanding airbag arrow was the sort of thing that, you know, it's it's a non-lethal arrow uh that, you know, is visually quite uh quite fun. And again, it's the sort of thing that can easily be drawn in a comic book, but to bring it to life in a TV show, uh, I thought was kind of clever. But one thing, you know, before we get to our favorite arrows. One thing I did like was the scene where Clint was making the arrows because mm-hmm. it sort of tied back to something that we saw in Falcon and the Winter Soldier where Sam was repairing Red Wing. And it shows that, you know, these, you know, these heroes aren't just, you know, using the tools. They have to have the skills to be able to make and fix their tools as well. And I think it gives him a bit more agency. The fact that he was able to create so many of these uh, these trick arrows uh, that they needed in addition to uh, to using, you know, the, the Stark tech and the Pym tech. Uh, you know, I think that was a nice touch, uh, you know, giving Clint that agency and the fact that, you know, Kate was there, you know, watching him and presumably learning uh, for the future herself. Totally. Yes. That sequence from the, from like that first scene um, in the subway, I think it was where uh, clearly Kate is, um, you know, in her feels after learning that her mom has been uh, canoodling with the mob. Uh, he's like, you know, we're gonna have to make a whole bunch of trick arrows. And she was basically like squirrel, squirrel, trick arrow, squirrel, squirrel. Like that, that leading into the actual sequence where we see them make the trick arrows was fantastic. Um, yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. And putting the labels on them. Yeah. Labels on them. Oh my God. That was just, Oh God. So hilarious. Yes. 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 Priscilla. What about you? Did you have a favorite trick arrow? I'm going to be so cliche. My favorite was the Pym arrow because yes. of the all that took it away. Yes. <laughs> People are definitely dead in an owl pellet somewhere. Yes. Yeah, that, oh God, fantastic. First off, the introduction of the owl in the, in the Rockefeller Christmas tree. Adorable scene. Clint talking to the owl. Fantastic. And then we get the payoff with the owl. The the damn truck shrinks. What are we going to do with that? Oh, I don't know. I'm, I have to call Scott. 
who is the Scots? I mean, clearly, we all know who Scott is. Um, and then they, you know, the owl swoops in, picks it up, and all you hear is the screaming. Although in the closed captions on Disney Play, it said children screaming, which kind of made me laugh. Because I'm like, these are grown-ass humans. But anyway, screaming into the night. Um, there was supposed to be, just a little FYI, uh, there was an interview with, um, I think, showrunners or someone associated with the show. And they said that there were supposed to be a sort of, like, post-post, like, yeah, af- like I guess the, the, the final post-credit scene, like, after all the credits, not the, the mid-credits one that we got, where we were supposed to see them in, like, an owl's nest, but they kind of felt that that was a little bit too dark. And I'm like, come on, that would have been fantastic. But I, I, I get it. But I think that would have been a fantastic scene. I'm just saying. I don't mind a little dark and twisty stuff for the holidays. I'm just saying. Yes. Um, anything else about the fight sequence in the Rockefeller Center skating rink and adjacent areas before we get into um, Laura and, uh, you know, the final scene of uh, everyone together at the Clint farm? I don't want to get all Canadian about this, but I realize you Americans don't spend a lot of time on ice. But, uh, you know, aside from the opening scene in in the fight where, you know, Kate comes sliding across the ice firing arrows, um, the rest of the time they were not on ice. I mean, you know, the fight scene between Hawkeye and Yelena, they would have been sliding all over the place. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it, it just yeah. It, so it was a little bothersome to me that, you know, it's it's ice when you get that cool shot for Kate. But for the most part, you know, they could be fighting on asphalt. <laughs> okay. Well, there is that. Yes. As someone who, you know, was sliding all over the place today, you know, oh. yeah, ice is, uh, is a little trickier than you Americans seem to understand. Oh, okay. Well, you know, such is life. All right. So uh, we have, we've been having some questions about Laura throughout the past couple of podcasts, and we got an answer sort of-ish. We got an answer-ish. Um, you have to kind of know stuff to fully understand the answer. So we will explain it to the listeners that maybe don't know stuff as much. Um, so we have Clint and Kate and, not the pizza dog, Lucky the pizza dog, uh, going to the Clint farm at the end of the episode. On Christmas Day, Clint makes it back home with the family for Christmas Christmas has been saved by Keith Bishop. And uh, we have a scene with Clint and his wife, and he gives her the watch. And is like, you know, you got to be careful with your things, and this, that, the other. She says, thank you. And she flips over the watch, and there's a 19 on it, which means Agent 19. It's a S.H.I.E.L.D. watch. She was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Um, Agent 19 is uh, an agent with the code name Mockingbird. So we have the introduction to the OG Mockingbird in this episode. Earlier, yes, earlier we had a little bit of dialogue between husband and wife where, you know, we basically got a little bit more intimate knowledge of exactly what Laura knows uh, in regards to what Clint has been up to. And she even gives that spectacular line. I think it was at the end of the call where she was like, 
you know, out of everybody, like I 100% understand what you're about to do and, and you don't have to make any apologies for it and this, that, or the other, which I thought was really nice. Um, so any thoughts on the reveal? Uh, I mean, I feel like we all kind of knew this was coming, but was it still satisfying that it happened? Priscilla? I liked it. I thought it was really cute. I loved the scenes. I I I loved the fact that they burned the outfit together. I thought that that was symbolic. Okay, then, of, um, yeah. Of them, like, kind of ending the chapter of the badness that was Ronin and starting the beginning is Hawkeye with both of them. Especially with her being like Hawk Lady or the Hawk Knight and like just giving a whole bunch of names and he's like, I have an idea. Why not just Hawkeye? Like he didn't actually say why not just Hawkeye, but that's pretty much why the show is called Hawkeye and not just not called Hawkeye and Hawk Lady at the end or something and not changed something the way it was for Captain America. Mm-hmm. True, yes. Very true. Professor, any thoughts on uh, the Laura revelation as well as how the episode ended with uh, Kate and Clint? Uh, I thought it was done well. Uh, you know, it, it did give us the resolution. If you are a comics book fan, you would have gone, oh, Agent 19, yay. And if you're not, it, it doesn't really matter. It, it wasn't that big a deal. Um, but it was, you know, a nice bit of, you know, I don't want to say fan service, but it was a, a little, you know, a nice little Easter egg for those of us who were waiting for it and expecting it since, you know, about episode three. Uh, we were we were expecting that. Um, I agree that, you know, the, the burning of the Ronin suit was nice, although I do worry. I, I'm not sure what the Ronin suit is made of, but, you know, I think it's going to ruin the grill. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it it looks sort of PVC <laughs> to me, and and I don't think you're going to want to use that grill for cooking food afterwards. Okay, that's, yes, I hope Clint makes a mental note of that. Goody goody. Okay, was there anything that I missed? A tiny little moment that either of you would like to chat about before we head into our final little sections for this season. Uh, they, they dealt with the humor, uh, you know, really well using it to, to pierce the seriousness, um, the scene, you know, near the end, you know, right before the scene where they're, uh, you know, driving up to, uh, to Clint's family farm, uh, where, uh, Clint and Kate are, are sitting in the back of the ambulance and, you know, uh, Clint is saying, you know, sometimes you meet someone who makes you better and, and all of that. And then he, he, you know, jumps from that into Missy did a really great job on these costumes. Uh, you know, it was really great because he was able to say to Kate everything that he was saying, but still had the little humor in there. So it didn't get too serious or, or get really weepy. It gave, you know, even though he did say what he needed to say in terms of it was Kate who made him better. Um, you know, he was able to say it with, with a bit of a, a laugh. And I'm glad that while they did give him a costume, they did not put the, uh, the stupid mask on him. Well, there's that. Uh, we didn't talk about the costumes. So, costumes. Yay, nay? Yay. Loved them. Thought okay. they were excellent. Did not look like tracksuits. Like, no. You, you know what I mean when I say did not look like tracksuits, but, like, did, did not look like gym wear or something like that. They, they looked good. They looked aerodynamic. They looked like superhero costumes. They yes. looked good. Yes. They looked aerodynamic. Uh, uh, we'll be here all week. Try the veal. Yes. And the other thing that we didn't discuss. So we did get a mid-credits scene. 
the mid credit scene was the entire musical number of I Could Do It All Day or whatever the hell it was called that we saw Save way back. City. Wait, what is it called? Save the City. Save the City. Oh, yeah. Save the City. Yeah. Um, Save the City from way back in the first episode. It is the full production of that number. And it starts off with, you know, here's a holiday gift from the Hawkeye team and yada, yada, yada. All right, Hawkeye team. Maybe I'm going to be the only Debbie Downer of it. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But I was expecting so much more. Like, I really was. And I think I posted this on the social media. Like, I want a tea time with, like, Fisk and Val. Like, I wanted Val, you know, that actress, to show up. Like, I really did. Like, I don't know why I wanted her to show up. I don't know why I thought she was going to show up. But I wanted her to show up. And I understand you guys had to do this production. You released it as a single. It is on Spotify. It's on the soundtrack. I get it. You know, you wanted us to see it. But there's a part of me that wished at the end, like at the end of it, we got a reaction from someone in the audience, at least. And it was like Yelena. And whether it was Yelena loving it or hating it, like I would have loved her reaction, whether she loved it or hated it. To be quite honest, because we already we already had Clint hating it, Yelena like loving it would have been spectacular. Like her fangirling over it would have been amazing. Or if Val was in the audience, like she turns over to somebody, she's like, "Can you believe this shit?" or something. That would have been spectacular. But it was just the musical number, and maybe I was expecting more because, you know, we're not gonna have a Marvel Disney Plus series. I feel like at least until March, April, May. I don't know, maybe something's in the can that can come out sooner. But I feel like it's going to be a little bit longer wait than uh, we've been getting throughout this year. I was like, ugh, I just, I wanted a taste of what's to come. And I didn't get that. So I was slightly disappointed. Professor, you can tell me that I'm wrong. Go. No, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Uh, but I was, it, we have been conditioned by the uh, the MCU properties that, you know, we should get that little tease of what's coming next or you know what's the next step for the characters or something at the end and yeah like you i i was absolutely convinced that we were going to get the yelena reveal at the end of it because they kept shooting you know the the shot with the conductor and you could see the audience behind the conductor so i figured what was going to happen is you know after the thing finishes we get a shot of the conductor sort of you know bringing his arms down and then we track off in his corner and we see yelena and i would have had yelena just sitting there rolling her eyes so hard you could hear them, um, you know, at the cheesiness of it all. Uh, but we didn't get that. And, and you know, uh, but that said, you know, it, it really was sort of the, uh, uh, you know, I think they did see it as, you know, sort of a, a holiday card, just a little, you know, gift. Okay, mm-hmm. here's the, the full production. And they did it full out. You know, the the whole thing, uh, it, it looked great. It really felt like a, a Broadway show to, you know, to all the cheesiness and all the smiling enthusiasm of the dancers and everything like that. It, it felt very real. Um, so I, you know, I did like it, but yeah, like you, I, I, you know, I, I did kind of want a little something now, maybe their, their argument is that, you know, it is going to be a long time till we get anything else, or maybe it's going to be, it, it was that this was meant to be a little more self-contained, you know, a bit more of a ground level show, less tied into the, the larger MCU. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think we have been so conditioned to, to expect and to get something like that at the end of the series that, you know, that when we don't get something that we're expecting, we may rank it uh, a, a little more negatively than we would if we didn't have that expectation. 
expectation going into it. So it was a great, you know, little gift. It was a great little Easter egg. But yeah, I, I did keep watching to the very end, just expecting uh, rather than hoping for something else. And when we didn't get it, yeah, I was a little disappointed. Yeah. Yelena rolling her eyes and saying such a bozer would have been so good. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was about to say. I was yes. hoping that I was that we were going to get that. I was looking through the background to see if she was sitting the whole time. The whole time I was like, "Uh, there has to be somebody, somebody sitting in the back that's important." But no, nobody. Yeah. And the reason for the conductor was that the conductor is the uh, the composer of the piece. So that was why we kept getting him. It was like a little, uh, you know, Easter egg uh, why he was in there. But, yeah, no, I, I was totally expecting it. And, yeah, and it would have played off so well, too, because, like, when we – not when we first met Elena, but in the, 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 the talking scene with Kate, she was talking about, you know, she didn't have a lot of time, but she wanted to do the touristy things when she was in town. So, obviously, she'd go see Rogers the Musical. Of course. Billboards of it are everywhere, including Spider-Man No Way Home. So it's like the hot ticket in town. I'm just saying. Um, Yes. All right. Goody, goody. Um, Another little thing that I just want to say before we get into um, maybe a little brief prediction segment um, is for the listeners out there, when you go back and rewatch the series, just take a look at the art of the opening title sequence as well as the end um, sort of credits uh, animated sequence because they do modify them just a tiny bit per episode. I mentioned to the professor, I think it was last time, that sometimes when they do the Hawkeye title card, you know, an arrow shoots through. Sometimes it's two arrows. Um, Something that I noticed in the previous um, episode that I didn't mention was that uh, for the, f- I think it's the only time during the end credits animated uh, sequence um, we see a shadow of the big guy, like sort of like uh, overlooking Kate's and Clint's like animated counterparts, which I thought was kind of neat. Um, so they they do do little kind of um, I don't want to call them Easter eggy type of stuff, but they do at times modify the credit sequences, which is kind of neat. Um, So um, if you are going to do a rewatch of this, just keep an eye on that because the animation's kind of cool and uh, it's kind of neat that they add in little Easter eggs based off of uh, what's happened in the episode. So, Two other little things, mm-hmm, sorry, yes. that I just had to mention. One is we got a little payoff because, you know, in the previous episode when uh, Clint was uh, was training Kate, uh, he was talking about, you know, the shot where, you know, firing one arrow to split another arrow. Uh, mm-hmm. And he pulled that off in this. And, you know, and, and Kazi, you know, mockingly says, nice shot. And, you know, Clint shows back, no shit. Um, so I thought that was a nice payoff of that. And the other thing was, you know, a little payoff of that, which we obviously knew was going to happen, was Clint training uh, Kate to, you know, basically turn herself into a weapon and be able to, and so she used the, uh, the Kingpin's cufflink, uh, to set off the, uh, the too dangerous to use arrow. Now the problem with that, and I'm willing to accept a lot, I'm willing to accept, you know, the unreality of the situation, but you're telling me that the Kingpin's Hawaiian shirt has cufflinks. Yes. He's a fancy man. That's insane. Oh, okay. Suddenly, oh. I you know I, I I you know this this whole show uh, I I can't accept the the reality underlying the show any further. You know, you don't have Hawaiian shirts with cufflinks. That's just madness. I know. We can't even <laughs> imagine what how they were eating the pie uh, during Christmas dinner. I'm just saying. These are oh. bad 
fancy Hawaiian shirts for yes. fancy dads. He's a fancy man. I'm just saying. Okay. So if there is a second season of this, what would we like to see? Would we like to see another adventure with Kate and Clint? Uh, would we instead rather see an adventure with Kate and Yelena? Um, where do you think this goes from here? Um, clearly, well, yes, I I feel like that's just the right answer. But uh, what I was going to say is that clearly at the end of um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we kind of, I don't know if we knew, but I I feel like we maybe got the vibe that they were going to take this to the big screen next. With WandaVision, we really didn't know, because that's kind of like its own thing. With Loki, we sort of kind of understood that that was going to need an additional season to continue that story. What do we feel after watching this? Like, do we feel like it's it needs another season? Do we feel like it needs a spinoff, you know, with... Kate and and Yelena, do we think this is going, we're we're just going to end up seeing the characters in other places? Where do we think, like, the legacy of this goes on from here? Um, I'm leaving that just as an open question. I don't know if anyone here has an answer, but feel free to jump in if you do. I hate to be the Debbie Downer, but I feel like it was, like, nicely encompassed. I feel like everything was tied up neatly in a bow, besides besides the mom being in jail thing which I feel like just adds to backstory. So I feel like besides being in Young Avengers, maybe, or like, I don't know. No, just besides being in Young Avengers, everything else is tied up really clearly, and we don't need another season of Hawkeye. Okay. Priscilla's Debbie Downer. Professor? Well, I agree that everything was wrapped up nicely and we don't need it. Uh, I think I want another season of Hawkeye. Okay, there Um, we go. Uh, having said that, I think that, you know, they've done the whole, you know, Clint and and Kate working together. I think if Clint is giving Kate the name Hawkeye, he's ready to step aside. He's ready to retire and uh, she will be Hawkeye going forward. Uh, you know, he can maybe be there in sort of an advisory role, someone on the phone, someone to talk to her, you know, uh, someone to help with her training and stuff like that. But if we do get a second season, uh, I would like it to be much more Kate Bishop uh, centered, much more Kate Bishop focused. Uh, obviously, and you know, I so said before, I want Elena in there uh, as much as we can get her. But again, in the comics, they did have, you know, Kate basically, you know, who is a New York girl, you know, uh, moving out West, going to uh, to LA. And it's it's from the same team that gave us the, uh, the Hawkeye, My Life as a Weapon, which was sort of the uh, the origin of this so you could have kate you know moving out to la you know starting a new life you know sort of uh you know having to do without the uh the wealth and privilege that she's used to uh being a bit more you know street level uh that sort of thing so i think that has a lot of potential in that um uh, you know for a second season um but yeah they they did wrap it up very nicely but yeah i would i really would like to see you know i just think Haley steinfeld is great um, and, you know, I, I would like to c- see the continuing development of this character, whether it is, you know, uh, in, in on screen in the, you know, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe in terms of a movie. But we would have to wait a long time for a movie. I think the uh, the MCU Disney Plus uh, production schedule is a lot faster. So, you know, we would get it uh, quicker. And, you know, I, so I, I would definitely love to see that. I would love to.
love to see her, you know, sort of setting up, uh, you know, on her own in, in L.A. Or, or San Francisco or something like that. Uh, maybe have Yelena dropping by just to chat and, you know, have coffee and, you know, take down a few baddies. Uh, but I think there's a lot to be done with the, the Kate Bishop character. And, you know, it, once they remove her from having to be, you know, the... Um, the slightly annoying teen sidekick um, that she had to be in this series. Uh, I think there's a, there's a lot of growth that you can uh, have for that character. So um, do we need it? No. Would I like to see it? Yes. All right. I like that. And I'll just put that out, put this out there again. Hawkeye and the widow. I'm just saying Hawkeye and the widow. Yeah. It's a nice ring to it. Um, wait a minute. So does Kate Bishop not have any money anymore? Like I'm, I know her mother went well, to jail. I mean, but, yeah, her mother went to jail, and, you know, if if, she, if it's found that she is the head of some criminal, uh, you know, uh, thing, I, I would think that they would confiscate, you know, uh, most of her assets. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that will certainly humble Kate a little bit. Okay. I, I can dig it. So, now it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen... They cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. There are many great MVP choices, I will say, for this episode. So, uh, Priscilla, you're going first. Who's your MVP and why? My MVP has to be Kate Bishop. Come on. That was, everything was perfect with her, from how excited she got to creating the arrows to how determined she was when she fought with Kingpin to how funny she was when she fought with Yelena to how just how sincere she was when she was with the family and the farm just everything about this episode was just centered on her and she carried the episode man she made it heartfelt and good for the for Christmas I I I loved it it was perfect so yeah Kate Bishop for sure I love that line. She made it heartfelt and good for Christmas. Yes! Kate Bishop, Christmas miracle. I love it. Professor, your MVP and why? Um, much as I'd love to give it to Jack because I, I love the uh, the resolution of his arc and he was having so much fun. It's got to be Yelena. Uh, you know, she just stole every scene that she was in. You know, even that scene where she just walks in wearing that fabulous looking uh, green jacket yes. and refuses to give up her jacket. You know, she is just, you know, Florence Pugh is just so great. You know, she's she's a magnetic performer. She and Kate had that tremendous um uh you know uh chemistry between them and then she had that fantastic scene with Clint at the end and even though as i said i felt that it was a little rushed you know uh, i think Florence Pugh did a great job of selling it and making me believe it even though i did think it was rushed i felt that you know it 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 was earned uh and i agree uh with Priscilla i think she should have been there at uh at Clint's at the end as well um but uh you know she probably had you know a job she had to go do killing someone else so it only makes sense i suppose yeah, I mean, you know, that's what, is what you have to do over the holidays. You know, sometimes you have to work. Um, oh, all right, this is a difficult decision. Because I, I would love to give it to Kingpin, because Vincent D'Onofrio was fantastic. But I have to go with Jeremy Renner. And, and I think this is the second episode in a row that I'm giving it to him. And once again, this is coming from someone that was not the biggest Hawkeye fan. But Jeremy Renner won me over with this series. Uh, I might have to go back and watch all of his MCU appearances to, you know, cause now I have a different appreciation for the character. 
Um, he, he brought it in this episode. He brought it with the emotions. Uh, the professor mentioned that scene where, you know, he's basically telling Kate that she's made him better. But also, you know, as rushed as it was, he really pulled at the heartstrings with that, that chat with um, Yelena on the ice. Uh, a good grief. I mean, when, when she was like, I miss her, and he was like, me too. Like, I'm like, fuck, we all miss her, damn it. Like, it was just beautifully done. Uh, Jeremy Renner was fantastic in this episode and in this series. Now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 arrows? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden quiver. Professor, let's start off with you. Well, you know, I, I've said the things that, you know, um, I, I wasn't crazy about. Uh, you know, I, I thought the, uh, you know, the, the lack of a looking forward, um, uh, you know, uh, post credit scene um, or even Yelena sitting in the crowd. But, you know, we shouldn't, you know, criticize a show because it didn't do what we wanted. We should judge the show on its own. Um, and I'm even willing to overlook the idea that someone's wearing cufflinks with a Hawaiian shirt. So mm -hmm. I'm going to give it a golden quiver. I thought this was just a tremendous uh, last episode. It, it totally stuck the landing. All right. Starting off strong with a golden quiver. Priscilla, what about you? How would you rate this episode of the season finale? I gotta give it a golden quiver too. It's it was perfect. It had everything that you wanted for a Christmas episode. Like it was just it was heartfelt. It was it had the emotional highs and lows you wanted. It had fight scenes that made your heart race, but it still had the the lows of heart wrenching moments between mother and daughter and heart wrenching moments between People that could be seen as lovers, that could be seen as friends, you don't know, but you just, I don't know, they're, they're just close with one another. It's just, there's just so much and to, to be seen, so much history between characters that was paid off. Everything here was perfect. So yeah, perfect golden quiver. And I will co-sign a golden quiver. It was fantastic from beginning to end. The, this episode is very rewatchable. I would say the series as a whole is very rewatchable. Just entertainment from beginning to end. Uh, you know, hilarious moments, actiony moments, moments that pull at your heartstrings. A fantastic episode. So now it's time to grade the season. We're going to give the season a letter grade. A, B, C, D, F, pluses and minuses are allowed. We'll start off with you, Priscilla. How would you grade this season? What letter grade would you give it? I give it an A plus. Like the 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 lowest I gave it was I think a B at one point, and that was like maybe giving it a B because I would I didn't know what was to come next, and I wanted to be fair for the rest of the episodes. But knowing what was to come next was just pure A's, and it it was it was just gonna continue to be pure A's and goldens. Like yeah, an A plus for sure. So yeah. Well, starting off strong once again, this time with an A plus from Priscilla. Professor, what about you? 
Uh, yeah, I'll agree. I think it was probably the second best of the uh, the Disney Plus series. Um, I still like WandaVision a little better, but there's really nothing wrong with this series. The acting was fantastic. Uh, you know, the action scenes were were tremendous. Uh, the acting was great. The casting uh, was fabulous. And, you know, they managed to to do it and, you know, still managed to include, you know, humor and heart in equal measure. So this was, you know, an eminently rewatchable series. And I have to co-sign what everyone has said. Um, yeah, uh, A+. plus. I mean, pretty much copy and paste what everyone has said. A-plus for me as well. Uh, a fantastic, immensely rewatchable, well-done series. Uh, yeah, it, it really was a movie told in six parts. Uh, yeah, props to everybody involved. It's fantastic. Um, before... I do our outro, you know, uh, there is a question that I, that I just sort of popped into my head as I've been talking about rewatchability. I mean, clearly we, we have said, you know, this, this episode, the series is very rewatchable, but because it is a series that takes place during the holiday season, is it just rewatchable when it's the holiday season or is it still rewatchable outside of the holiday season? I am curious to ask. I don't know if you, if, if either of you are the type of people that watch like Christmassy movies, you know, in like March or something. I, I don't know. So that's why I'm asking. Because it is so holiday infused, do you think there is still rewatch? There is that rewatchability factor outside of the holiday season. I think there yeah. is, but I think it's it's even more rewatchable that I think that, you know, next Christmas, you know, I will sit down and rewatch this as, you know, it, it will become, you know, one of those those Christmas shows you watch. Oh, okay. yeah, I, I, I agree. Besides being one of those Christmas shows that you watch, I, I, I think I'm going to be watching this in July. I'm going to be watching this in March. Like, it's, it's, it's infinitely rewatchable, it's especially, like, during the Marvel drought that we're going to have where we're not going to have anything to watch mm-hmm. Marvel, like, of course you're going to sit down and watch this because you're going to want to watch, you're going to want to find details that you missed or just you're going to want to reminisce on how good it was. That is true. And there is such a thing as Christmas in July. I'm just saying it, it is a thing. Google it. All right. That's a question I felt needed to be asked. And on that note, We would like to thank everyone for joining us these past six episodes. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Avengers Initiative, Hawkeye, and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts. For the final time this season, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Priscilla. Ho, ho, ho. Good night, everybody. And the professor. Listeners, stop making me like you. Thanks for tuning in. From all of us here at the Avengers Initiative, Hawkeye, we wish you a good night, happy holidays, and a happy new year. <laughs>